Let us pray. Now, O Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for yourself, Lord Jesus. Amen. I believe I have a feeling of what it means to be an outsider. My parents settled uh, us in Hoboken, New Jersey. That's where I was born. They came from the Philippines. They uh, immigrated there from uh, uh, in the 70s to find a better life for themselves and then for me and my sisters. We were the only Asian family in our neighborhood And no matter how hard I tried, I could not change where I came from. In full disclosure, I also didn't do myself any favors, insisting on wearing a three-piece suit at school, (laughs) a bow tie. I also carried a briefcase for my important lunch and uh, assorted school books. I played the violin, so I was toting all of these things on the train, so I was quite a sight. You also could probably imagine that made me very popular with the ladies. (laughs) That's right, ladies, please form an orderly line to the left. I will be with you in a moment. So just to give you that picture, basically, um, when I was younger, I was just basically shorter. So anyway... (laughs) But because we were a little bit different in our neighborhood, um, there was a nasty rumor in our apartment building where we grew up that our family ate dogs. Because our food was foreign to most in our neighborhood. Food that I grew up with... uh, we actually had seen it on television, but not unlike the gourmet, t- the gourmet cooking shows that you see everywhere. Um, you know, highbrow entertainment on shows like Fear Factor and a show called Bizarre Foods. Bizarre to who exactly? I mean, <laughs> millions of Filipinos can't be wrong, right? But it's bizarre to some folks. Even as adults, really, like in the last year or so, My sister and my cousin, who actually work pretty professional, high-powered jobs, um, now they get remarks like, what died in here? And they're talking about their lunches in the break room. So you might imagine, as a result, our family got really good at being invisible in plain sight. We just didn't want the hassle. We, We knew we were outsiders. We just didn't want the hassle. But from my growing up, I feel like I can identify a little with what it means to be an outsider. In fact, I believe I have unlimited grace for outsiders. But no one went out of their way completely to get to their house. No one considered me and my stuff as unclean because it was me and my stuff. No, that kind of untouchable 
outsider is the Samaritan woman from our gospel lesson. Just consider this. There were so many strikes against this woman at the well. Strike one, she was a woman with a bad reputation. Strike two, she was a Samaritan. The Jews hated the Samaritans because they were of mixed blood. Therefore, they were unclean. Jews would go out of their way to avoid Samaria, even though it would add some time to their travel. If you were a good Jew, purity was very important to you. Jewish ceremonial law was so strict that Jesus should not have even taken a drink from a Samaritan's cup. The Samaritan person and everything that they touched was unclean. Strike three. She had been married three times, and she was now with a man who was not her husband. There is so much going on in our very rich gospel lesson from this morning. I'm not going to break it all down today. But I just want to draw your attention to two things that I believe the Lord has laid on my heart for our time together. First, in the natural, what we can see with our eyes, Jesus welcomes the outsider, and so should we. And then secondly, in the supernatural, the living water is the Holy Spirit. So first, in the natural, Jesus welcomes the outsider, and so should we. So as an outsider Samaritan, even among other outsider Samaritans, this woman is all alone. And now here's Jesus at the well. He is tired, he's hungry, he's thirsty from his journey. Probably took him about two days to get from where he was to here at this well. And now at the well at noontime, the very hottest part of the day, I want to go back to the gospel. Look with me in John chapter 4. It's in your pew Bible in the seat ahead of you on page 863. You can also follow along in the bulletin. I just want to make sure we don't miss a thing from this gospel lesson today. I want to look at verse uh, 7. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. The Samaritan woman, verse 9, said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus goes after the outsider in the most radical way here. First, that a Jew would even speak to a Samaritan Jesus is going right through a racial barrier. That a Jewish male would even speak to a Samaritan woman, Jesus is addressing the gender barrier. That a Jew would drink from a Samaritan's cup, he's going head on to a religious idea of the day that said, not only is she unclean, everything that she touches is unclean. Jesus takes that head on. And that Jesus, a teacher of the law, would talk to a woman with a bad reputation. He's dealing with a lifestyle barrier. 
What Jesus does is he looks past these outward things that make her unclean or that make her an outsider to others. Rather, Jesus sees her in the spirit as a lost, dry, thirsty soul in need of living water. For she will die without this living water. Friends, thanks be to God that Jesus did not come to make bad people good, but he came to make dead people alive. See, Jesus' gift of living water, it was the truth of his teaching. His teaching that fulfilled the law and invited the thirsty to be satisfied. And what is he holding out? The very wisdom of God, incarnate, made in the flesh with Jesus here at the well. Even though others would go out of their way to avoid her and to avoid other Samaritans, Jesus shows up in the flesh and reveals that he is the Messiah in John 4:26. Showing up in the flesh can begin to collapse walls that we find in the way of relationships. Woody Allen famously said, showing up is 80% of life. Sometimes it's easier to hide home in bed. I've done both. (laughs) There's a huge difference between I'll pray for you and showing up in the flesh. Amen? Why not do both? Pray and show up when you can. I'm not sure how it happened, but along the way in my own preaching career, I found myself preaching in a lot of African-American Baptist and African-American and Pentecostal churches. As you may have noticed, I am not, in fact, myself (laughs) African-American. But in each of these instances where we ministered together, shared life together, sang together, The only thing that we had in common really was Jesus. Just last year, I was asked to be the keynote speaker for a gathering in Los Angeles. And this was for a group of African-American Pentecostal churches that is discerning becoming Anglican. I'll let let that take a moment to sink in. And the archbishop said, you know, I think we can send in Luminog for this assignment. (laughs) It just seemed to make sense. But the most remarkable thing is when I got to this church, this church is in the uh, Watts area, the Watts section of Los Angeles, where the race riots erupted in 1965. And, you know, really not much has changed. You, You can still see... The, the, the horrible effects of that uprising. So many people there just thanked me for showing up. For loving on them where they live and where they worship. And these differences, whether it's race or gender or religion or lifestyle, these are very much real but they are not enough to keep us separated from those who are on the quote-unquote outside. 
Because what began as a gathering in the natural, we just came together to have church. It ended up as a supernatural, powerfully anointed time of worship. So that's the first thing. In the natural, Jesus welcomes the outsider, and so should we. Second, in the supernatural, the living water is the Holy Spirit. So at Jacob's well, we see the most remarkable thing. The natural and supernatural meet in a powerful way. See, the natural, what we see in the physical universe, what we can see with our eyes, very straightforward. Jesus Christ talking to a Samaritan lady at Jacob's well. That makes sense to us. But the supernatural thing that was going on, what you can only see by faith in the spiritual realm, beyond the visible, observable stuff, is the Holy Spirit drawing a lost, dry, and thirsty soul into the healing, saving presence of Jesus Christ. The water from Jacob's well would satisfy the woman's temporal, natural thirst. Friends, we can thirst for identity. We can thirst for love. We can thirst for security. We can thirst for approval. But I'm here to tell you, if you haven't figured it out already, they don't completely satisfy. Look in John 4, verses 13 and 14. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Friends, Jesus is talking about living water. It is the supernatural presence of God. He is the Holy Spirit. And it is a perpetual spring that Jesus says that is placed within us. When we come to know Christ, that perpetual spring is in us and it leads us to eternal life. That means that God's availability, God's accessibility, God's abundance is springing forth out of us literally as his children. This is a supernatural gift and it is the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as followers, as disciples of Jesus. A few years back, I found myself in a very difficult season personally. And I was totally at the point of desperation. And I cried out to the Lord for wisdom because I was so spiritually thirsty. Lord, if you don't show up, I'm not going to make it. So my bishop called me unexpectedly to tell me, Jack, I was praying and the Lord told me I have a message for you. I said, well, thank the Lord, Bishop. I was waiting for this moment. I'm all ears. And he said, here's the, here's the word from the Lord. I want you to pray about your defensiveness and pride. I said, excuse, excuse me? <laughs> I prayed for a word. I was, this was not the one I was expecting. Are you sure you had that right? If that's for, no, thank, no, thank you. I don't want any bit of that. 
So um, I did what I thought I needed to do, which was to completely ignore it and just go on with what I was doing. <laughs> and in, in my wisdom, I wondered why, isn't, why aren't things getting any better? <laughs> so I find myself at a healing service later and I was with the Archbishop of Southeast Asia and his wife. And he prayed for me. And immediately, in that moment, I was so overcome by the presence of the Holy Spirit. So overcome, in fact, that I fell immediately to the ground. God met me in such a powerful way, I could not resist him any longer. Friends, hear this. I'm not saying that this is normative or that this has to happen to you if you are truly, quote unquote, spiritual. But the best way I can describe this supernatural encounter with the Holy Spirit is back from my childhood. When I was a kid in Hoboken, the best thing someone could do for us on a hot August day was to take a wrench and open up a fire hydrant in the neighborhood. It was awesome. It was awesome. And as us little kids were kind of jockeying to get into the front where here's all of this water just gushing out of this hydrant into the street, our little bodies would be refreshed, but we would also be overcome by this rushing water. We all needed this water on a hot day which was refreshing. But the part where we were overcome was that we could not stand up to the power of this water. It was like God flooding me with his Holy Spirit at that healing service. And it was a tangible reminder for me that he is way bigger than my circumstances. What God was trying to tell me in that moment was saying, Luminog, I want you to be overwhelmed by my presence, not be overwhelmed by what's troubling you for this season. Let me get back to the text here. Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well, it sets forth this process of transformation. The Samaritan woman evolves from a sinner who's been so placed out on the margins as an outsider, even among other outsiders. So she's evolving from a sinner to this humble, anointed witness. Look in verse 39. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. Let me stop right here. The Samaritan woman's testimony was not only heard, but it was received in spite of all the barriers. Her race, her gender, her lifestyle, all of those barriers that kept others away before she met Jesus. 
her testimony was so used of God and it was received that other villagers were drawn to the work of Christ in her. In fact, they were proud to declare, we know that Jesus is truly the savior of the world. You see that in verse 42. Friends, this kind of fruit, this kind of spiritual harvest is only possible through the work of the Holy Spirit in this Samaritan woman. Let me zoom out for a moment and talk about what does this mean to us practically, and I've got to close. If you came into here today, if you came into this church today thirsty, just admit it before God. And I'm here to tell you, you just need to stand back and watch him move in your life like never before. Look at verse 16. Jesus said to her, go and call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you were right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. Catch this. What you have said is true. Before the woman at the well received the living water of Christ, she had to come clean with Jesus. Verse 23, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Catch that, spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him Verse 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit. And again, catch this, and truth. Our worship needs to be anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit. We all know that now, don't we? But we must come not only anointed and covered in the spirit, but we must come before the Lord in truth. The real beginning of real thirst quenching comes when we are honest before God and we say what we are doing is not working. Can you sense the relief, the conviction in this woman's testimony where she said, he told me everything I have ever done. What a relief to no longer carry that. She confessed that to the Lord, I have no husband. I encourage you, friends, to search your heart before God. As we come into this place, we've already gone to confession. But as we do this every Sunday, let it not just be an empty ritual. We just do this because we're good Anglicans. But we take a moment before the Lord. We search our hearts before him. And we say, what we're doing, Lord, what I'm doing today, it's not working. Help me, Jesus. Maybe you need to come and talk to another believer and say, what I'm doing isn't working. Will you pray with me? After you receive Holy Communion, I want to encourage you. If the Lord's drawing you in through this word today, go see a prayer minister or a loving brother and sister in Jesus who just wants to agree with you in prayer and just say, you might not have faith to get you that refreshment you need. But hey, we've got faith for you. Let's pray. Let's seek God together for you. Or just cry out to God wherever you are when you're spiritually thirsty. 
and you need refreshment. Friends, God has placed such a deep thirst within each of us. And if we allow it, that thirst can actually drive us to seek him and be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. St. Augustine once said, Our hearts are restless, O God, till they find rest in thee. I invite you, beloved, come. Come and be refreshed by the living water, the Holy Spirit. And he is offering it to you lavishly, abundantly today. Let's pray. Oh, Almighty God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen.